me this morning as we've gathered together to worship. And uh, um, don't forget, during the Christmas season, we as Southern Baptists received the uh, Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering, the offering for international missions. And uh, today, we're particularly going to pray for our missionaries in Thailand. Um, Thailand is a nation of 70 million people, and the major religion is Buddhism. And it's actually, uh, it is actually, Thailand is the home of the world's largest solid gold sculpture. It's a golden Buddha that's almost 10 feet tall and made of over 12,000 pounds of solid gold. And there's 40,000 Buddhist temples in the, in the, in the country. And uh, Southern Baptist missionaries try to reach uh, the Thai people uh, with the message of Christ, looking for open doors to uh, uh, talk about Jesus as they help with agriculture and other sustainable economic uh, practices and uh, serving in universities where people want to uh, learn English. And so our missionaries go uh, with these other skills to hopefully find an open door to set them free from their idolatry, uh, their worship of Buddha, and introduce them to Christ. So this week, as we think about Lottie Moon, Christmas offering, uh, specifically pray for our, our missionaries in Thailand and for the ex expansion of the gospel there. Um, are there other prayer requests, prayer concerns as we gather together today? Okay. We appreciate y'all. you to take your Bibles for our call to worship this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. The wise king, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives counsel to his son. And in Proverbs 3, 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray together. Lord God, we pray that you grant us the grace today to uh, uh, lean not on our own understanding, Lord, but to rest in your wisdom, to acknowledge you in all our ways, and to trust that you direct our paths. Lord, we pray that you help us to be wise and prudent as we plan, but also recognize your sovereignty and your providence as you work all things together. Maybe not in the way that we expect or that we plan or we would even desire, but you work all things together for your good and for, the, uh, for your glory and for the good of those who love you and are the called according to your purpose. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together and to offer you our worship today, Lord, and we pray that we would behold your glory as we gaze upon your goodness and your greatness uh, through the words of the Bible and that we would behold your glory and by your spirit be drawn to offer you worship, praise, and adoration, uh, worship that is in spirit and truth. And it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right, I'm going to invite you to take your hymnal and turn to hymn 176. Right, as we continue to worship, I'd like to invite your attention to the Word of God, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, verse 20. 
Continuing to look at Paul's second missionary journey, his mission in Ephesus, and the plans that he lays out for himself. And so uh, uh, Acts chapter 19 will begin in verse 20 uh, as Luke comments on the ministry of Paul in Ephesus. Luke chapter, uh, Acts chapter 19 verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And we look at Paul's best laid plans in uh, these particular verses. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful for your kindness and your goodness to us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we're so thankful for uh, the fact that you have spoken to us in your word and you have given us your word that is perfect, that is profitable for us, profitable to teach us uh, what we must believe, what we need to stop doing, to put off because it's displeasing to you, what we need to start doing to put on because it's pleasing in your sight. And we thank you that your word is profitable to train us in righteousness. And Lord, we pray for the grace to, uh, uh, to make plans, to plan according to biblical principles and priorities, but then also trust your providence and to know that our plans do not always work out the way that we have uh, anticipated or expected. But we also rest in the fact that we plan you direct our steps, and you direct them for your glory and for our good. Help us to trust and believe in that this day. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as I was studying this, uh, this passage, that word uh, resolve, Paul resolved in the Spirit, actually talks about laying out, uh, laying out his plans. He laid out uh, a plan. And uh, I thought of the term, the best laid plans. And I wondered if any of you have ever made a plan that didn't turn out exactly the way that you anticipated, the way that you expected, the way that you planned out. You know, you spend a lot of time planning, looking at biblical principles, biblical priorities, opportunities and things, and you laid out this plan, and at the end, the plan did not uh, work out at all the way that you expected. And that's exactly what happens to the Apostle Paul in this passage. He lays out a plan, and the plan does not play out the way that he expected. Now, we have seen that he is on his second missionary journey. He is in, the, in the, the, the town of the city, the major city of Ephesus. And things there are going well. He's had an open door. They threw him out of the synagogue, but he had the opportunity to go to the hall of Tyrannus and, and for two years to reason with the people. And Luke tells us in, in verse 10 that this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks, and we've talked about how Ephesus was a strategic location. It was a significant city, the, the principal city in Asia. And so all the trade would come through Ephesus, and people would come there. They would hear Paul reason in the hall of Tyrannus. They would receive the gospel, believe in Jesus, and then go back to their homes throughout Asia or branch out in their businesses and their efforts. And the gospel uh, would spread from Asia I mean, from Ephesus through the whole province of Asia. 
And as we read through the New Testament, we, read, uh, we hear of churches Laodicea, Colossae, Hierapolis, and all seven of the churches that Jesus addressed in the book of Revelation are churches in Asia. And uh, uh, we never have a record of Paul himself visiting those cities and planting churches in those cities. But because of his work in Ephesus, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole province. And so Paul was enjoying great success in Ephesus. And, uh, and then Luke tells us in verse 20 that the word continued to increase and prevail mightily. And so Paul is enjoying success. He's having a fruitful ministry in Asia, an effective ministry in Ephesus. And yet he is not complacent. He is not satisfied with the success. He is not uh, uh, just willing to, to stay there and uh, where things are going good, but he lays out a plan of what he needs to do next and where he needs to go consistent with the call upon his life as an apostle to the Gentiles to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth and to preach Jesus where he is not known. So Paul begins to plan and make a strategy uh, to uh, continue the work that God had given him. And we see in our text that he makes a plan, he lays out a plan, he resolves in the spirit, and Luke telling us that he resolved in the spirit tells us that he's using biblical principles, biblical priorities, God's call upon his life as an apostle to the Gentiles to make the word of God known where it is not known. And so he lays out this plan according to biblical principles, biblical priorities, and uh, the mission that he has received directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he makes a threefold plan. But as we see, the plan doesn't work out exactly the way that he laid it out. Uh, and look, look at the three-part three plan, verse 21. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem and saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So you see the threefold plan, Macedonia and Achaia, and then to Jerusalem, and then ultimately to Rome. And so Paul outlines this plan according to biblical principles and biblical priorities. Uh, first part of the plan is he wants to go to Macedonia and Achaia. And you remember, Paul had visited Macedonia on his, uh, his second missionary journey. He went to Macedonia and he established churches in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea in Macedonia. And then from there on the second journey, he went to Achaia where the church at Corinth was established. And so Paul has been in Ephesus for a couple years. Things are going good, but now he feels the need to go back to those churches and those other places. And you remember Paul experienced the great persecution in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. In, in Philippi, he was beaten with rods, thrown into prison. On Thessalonica, he was run out of town. And the Jews that ran him out of Thessalonica chased him to Berea and ran him out of there. And so those churches were young, and they were in difficult places, places where there was a lot of opposition. And so the biblical priority, Paul felt the need to go back to those churches and encourage them and strengthen them and to teach them and to help them to persevere in the faith in the midst of difficult times. And so this is clearly a biblical priority. 
He's established these churches. He doesn't want to leave them as orphans. He wants to go back and continue to strengthen and encourage and equip them to persevere and endure. And so he wants to go to Macedonia, to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and then to Achaia and to uh, uh, encourage the church at Corinth. And he'd also heard that the church at Corinth was experiencing some very significant problems. Significant problems and a lack of unity, division. Some are arguing, you know, I like Apollos better than I like Paul. Uh, they were abusing spiritual gifts in the church and their worship service was disorderly and not glorifying to God because things were not being done uh, decently and in order. They were abusing the Lord's Supper to the, to the fact that some people were even uh, dying, experiencing physical death because of their abuse of the Lord's Supper. They were tolerating and even proud of sexual immorality in their midst. And so this church had a lot of issues, a lot of problems, and Paul wants to go to Corinth, wants to go to Achaia, and help the church there in Corinth. And so that's the first part of his plan, to go to Corinth and Macedonia and strengthen the churches there. But also, part two of his plan was to go to Jerusalem. So first, he wanted to go to Macedonia and Achaia, strengthen and encourage the churches there, and then go to Jerusalem. And as we read through Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the book of Romans, we see one of the reasons that he wanted to go to Macedonia and Achaia was not just to strengthen and encourage the churches, but to receive a collection for the poor believers in Jerusalem. And so the second part of his plan was as he went to these churches... He would gather a collection, gifts from them to take to Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was really struggling. There was a lot of poverty among the believers in Jerusalem. And we see that it started at the very beginning of the, the church of Jerusalem. The church of Jerusalem was established, was born on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, people had come from all over the world as pilgrims, as, as travelers to come to Jerusalem to observe the the Feast of Pentecost. And when they got to the Feast of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the 120 believers in Jesus, and all of those people heard the Word of God, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in their own language, and 3,000 of them were converted and baptized into the church in Jerusalem. Now, some of those people went back to their towns and took their newfound faith with them, but some of those people stayed there in Jerusalem, devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So they were aliens, they were sojourners, they were pilgrims that had come for the feast, and then they stayed, and they didn't have homes, they didn't have place of business, they didn't have family, and so uh, uh, they didn't have a way of earning an income, supporting themselves. And so from the very beginning, members of the church at Jerusalem, like Barnabas, would sell their possessions uh, and bring the proceeds and set it at the feet of the apostles so that it might be distributed among the poor. So those that, there were many that didn't have any land or a means of making a living, and there were those that sold their means of making a living so the proceeds could be distributed among the poor. And now the, uh, the church continued to struggle uh, uh, under the weight of persecution and trying to take care of all of the believers there. And then it only got worse after the stoning of Stephen. Now, the stoning of Stephen, Paul himself, then named Saul, 
started a great wave of persecution against the church in Jerusalem, dragging people out of church and into prison. And as a result of that, people scattered, people left Jerusalem, a lot of the financial base left. And so because of that persecution, the people, the believers in Jerusalem were exceedingly poor. And so Paul wants to receive a collection from the Gentile churches in Macedonia and Achaia and take that offering, take that gift to provide relief to the poor believers in Jerusalem and the Jerusalem church. And he writes about this collection in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians and also in the book of Romans. And so, uh, so Paul writes to Romans, he says, if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So they said the Gentile churches had received the spiritual blessings from the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem sacrificed to send the gospel to the ends of the earth. And now these people had reaped those spiritual benefits, hearing the good news of Jesus, the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. They had reaped those spiritual blessings and now they were all the more eager, very eager to share in material blessings with that church at Jerusalem. And so they were to, to make a collection on the first day of the week. Paul would come, receive that, and they would also send representatives from those churches to Jerusalem to deliver that gift. So Paul, so you see clear biblical priorities, biblical principles. He wants to encourage the churches. He wants to... Uh, provide opportunity for them who had received spiritual blessings from Jerusalem to now share in material blessings to the church at Jerusalem to provide relief for the poor believers there. And so Paul wants to go to Jerusalem. That's phase two of his plan. And then after Jerusalem, we see phase three of the plan. After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And so he wants to go to Macedonia and Achaia. He wants to go to Jerusalem, and after Jerusalem, he wants to go to Rome. And that makes sense. You see the biblical priority. What had Jesus commissioned Paul to do? Jesus had commissioned Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles, to stand before kings and rulers and testify to Jesus Christ. Well, where did the emperor live? He lived in Rome. Where, where is the capital of the whole empire? You know, he had seen the strategic location in Corinth, all the people coming there, all the trade. Uh, you could preach the gospel in Corinth, and then the gospel would spread throughout the region. He had seen it happen in Ephesus. As he preached the gospel in Ephesus, it spread all throughout Asia. Well, how much more would going to Rome be able to impact taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Because Rome was the capital city of the empire. That's where the emperor was. That's where everybody would come to do their business. They would come to Rome, and Paul wanted to go to Rome and preach the good news of Jesus, win Rome for Jesus, and then by, by having Rome turn to Jesus, influence the whole Roman Empire with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, going to Rome, preaching the gospel in Rome, was an important part of making disciples to the ends of the earth, of being a witness to the ends of the earth. And, and this is actually, uh, this passage is going to serve as an outline for the rest of, of, uh, of, of Acts. We're going to see Paul go to Macedonia and Achaia, we're going to see him go to Jerusalem, and then we're going to see him go to Rome. And so he, he goes to Rome, but he doesn't go to Rome in the way that he planned. He wanted to go as a missionary, 
but he ended up going as a prisoner. And so Paul makes a plan. He lays out a plan. He resolves in the spirit. He takes biblical principles, biblical priorities, the mission that Christ had given him to be his witness to the ends of the earth, the mission that Christ had given him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He takes that and he takes the, the, the mission that he has been given to take care of the poor believers and help provide for them. And he lays out a plan. Phase one, I'm going to go to Macedonia and Achaia. Phase two, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Phase three, I am going to go to Rome. It was a well-laid plan based on biblical principles, biblical priorities, and the mission that the Lord had given to Paul himself. But then we see the plan did not work out the way that Paul had laid it out. He had designed a great plan based on biblical principles, biblical priorities, but that is not the way that it turned out. And we see there right in verse 22, he sent two, he sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, servants, ministers, the word is literally deacons, two of his servants, ministers, Timothy and Erastus, and he stayed in Asia for a while. And so right at the very beginning, the plan didn't work out the way that Paul had anticipated, the way he had laid it out. Instead of him going to Macedonia and Achaia, he sent Timothy and Erastus to go and to encourage the churches and to begin to receive the gift. And Paul would come later. And instead of going himself, he sent Timothy and Erastus and he also wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. Remember I told you all those things they were going through, the, the lack of unity, the division in the churches, the sexual immorality, the abuse of spiritual gifts, the lack of love, the lack of cooperation, the abuse of the Lord's Supper, uh, confusion about marriage and all of those things. And so instead of going himself, Paul sends Timothy and Erastus with a letter, a letter that we know as 1 Corinthians where he addresses those issues and kind of talked about this when he was driven out of Thessalonica. He couldn't deliver in person, so what did he do? He, write a, he wrote a letter, a letter that we have that continues to encourage us. Well, the same thing happened when he, when he didn't go to Corinth. He didn't go to Corinth, so instead he wrote a letter that we have that continues to help churches in all places at all times today because he wrote 1 Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and by the providence of God it's included in our New Testament and we can read Paul's instruction about unity in the church we can read Paul's instruction about marriage and sexual immorality we can read Paul's instruction about the use of spiritual gifts in the church and doing all things decently and in order we can read Paul's words about love and about marriage and about uh, uh, the Lord's Supper and all of those things that he wrote about, if he would have just gone and taught them orally, those things might not have been preserved for us. So we see God's providence in the plan not working out the way Paul designed it. But God worked it for his glory and ultimately even for our good as we have that letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church at Corinth instead of going there and telling them those things orally face to face. And, uh, and so we have that. But, uh, and in that letter, we see why the plan kind of didn't work out. He wrote to the church at Corinth, I wanted to come, but in 1 Corinthians 16 and 8, he says, but I will stay 
in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And so Paul said, I, I plan to come to there, to, to Achaia. I, I plan to come to the church at Corinth. But I'm not coming. I'm staying in Ephesus because a wide door of effective work has opened to me. And so Paul stays in Ephesus since Timothy and Erastus with 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth. And he stays in Ephesus because a wide door of effective work has been opened to him. But he also adds, yet there are many adversaries. You know, sometimes when we lay out our plans, we would see the fact that there are many adversaries as a reason to get out of town. There's <laughs> a reason to leave, a reason to go. There's many enemies, there's many adversaries. But Paul saw that as a reason to stay. He did not run away when it got tough. He did not leave when it was hard. He did not leave when there was opposition. He saw that even though there were many adversaries, there was an open door, a wide open door for effective ministry. So he purposed to stay in Ephesus. He planned to go to Macedonia and Achaia, but because of the open door that the Lord had given to him, he stayed. Now we're going to see. Uh, that door's not going to stay open very long. Next week, we'll see him run out of Ephesus and, and, and actually go to Macedonia and Achaia. But the plan is not working out exactly the way he planned. He wanted to go, but now that door is open, so he stays in Ephesus for a time. And we'll see next week, Lord willing, we'll see him run out of Ephesus. So he goes, he goes to uh, Macedonia and Achaia after he gets run out of Ephesus, at, but he, he stays there for a time, and then he goes. And when he goes, he takes a collection, and he goes to Jerusalem. He does go to Jerusalem. He executes part one of the plan later. He executes part two of the plan. He goes to Jerusalem. But when he gets to Jerusalem, the opposition to his ministry, to his preaching, is great. And the religious leaders in Jerusalem drag him out of town and almost kill him. But the Roman soldiers come and save him from the mob, from the crowd. A riot breaks out. They try to kill him, but the Roman soldiers come and take Paul into custody and keep him from being killed by the crowd and give him a hearing, give him due process in Jerusalem. And so Paul is taken prisoner in Jerusalem and he, he goes to many trials and we'll follow those through the book of Acts. But then, finally, after several hearings, Paul finally appeals his case to Caesar. He says, I appeal to Caesar. And so he's been accused of crimes. He is a Roman citizen. And he takes advantage of his right, his privilege as a Roman citizen, to appeal to Caesar. So Paul does go to Rome. So he executes the plan, but not exactly the way he wanted. You know, he wanted just to travel to Rome where there were believers that he wrote to in Romans chapter 16. That was Priscilla and Aquila's hometown, and there were some believers there. He just wanted to go and strengthen the churches. But when Paul went to Rome, he went as a prisoner under military guard. He went as a captive because he appealed his case to Caesar. And so we 
see this well-laid plan. Paul resolved in the Spirit, using biblical principles, biblical priorities, using what God had told him, what he knew God wanted him to do, and he made a plan to go through Macedonia, Achaia, to strengthen the churches to receive the offering, to take the offering to Jerusalem, and then go to Rome. But the plan did not work out exactly the way that Paul had anticipated it. <laughs> he executed the plan, but not in the way that he had expected, not the way that he had hoped. But God worked all of this thing through his providence, all of these things, for God's own glory and for the good of his people. We have 1 Corinthians, and we have the message of encouragement as we see Paul, uh, through the rest of Acts, going through these exceedingly difficult times, but God using that even to evangelize the Praetorian Guard in Caesar's house. And so we see God working the plan for his glory and for our good, even though it did not work out the way Paul anticipated. And so I think as we look at this particular passage, we see a couple of things. Number one, we should not be complacent. We should never allow ourselves to become complacent to think that we arrived. Paul is having a, a, a fruitful ministry in Ephesus, reaching the whole province of Asia, an open door in the hall of Tyrannus to, to reason with the people. And it's been going on for two years, and the word of God is, is, uh, is coming in power. We talked about the power in Ephesus last week, and uh, the word of God is prevailing mightily. But Paul is not complacent. He does not just rest on his success. He does not uh, allow himself to stay where it's simply uh, uh, things are going well. He has a passion to keep on the move and to go and preach the message of Jesus where his name is not known and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he does not allow himself to become complacent, to rest in his success. But he's always planning the next step, planning the next uh, uh, place where he will go planning the next mission in accordance with biblical priorities. And so we, we should never allow ourselves to become complacent. As long as we are in these bodies, we have not arrived. We have not arrived where we need to be in our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity. As long as we are in these bodies, we need to be growing. And we have not accomplished all the things that God has us for. If he's left us in the world, he's left us in this world because he's got a purpose and a plan for us. And so we should never allow ourselves to become complacent, thinking that we've arrived, thinking that we've accomplished it all, thinking that we've done all that we can do. No, we need to constantly be looking for growth and for opportunities to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Do not allow yourself to become complacent. And then the second part is, yeah, plan. Well, you know, we are to plan and we are to take biblical principles, biblical priorities, the purpose that we know that God has given us to make disciples, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth and to, and to, to, to make a plan and figure out how is a, is a, way, a best way to do that according to biblical priorities and biblical principles. Lay out a plan, resolve in the spirit to exercise, to put to work biblical principles and biblical priorities and to do the things that God has called us to do. Plan. But also know that the plan most likely will not work exactly the way that you planned, but we plan trusting in God's sovereignty. 
and we plan trusting that uh, uh, we might start out executing the plan and it might work out a totally different way, but we trust in God's sovereignty and we believe that he is working for his ultimate glory and for our good. So we are to plan, but we plan recognizing God's sovereignty and know that he might work it a totally different way, but the way that he works it is for his glory and for our good, the best possible means. And, and you know, the book of James says, talks about people who make that plan saying, you know, I'll go and do such and such and go to such and such a city and stay there this long and make a profit. And, uh, and James says, no, you say, if the Lord wills, we will do those things. And so we plan, but we plan recognizing God's sovereignty and plan recognizing that it might not work the way that we, that we outlined it, that we laid it out. But it will work together for God's glory and for our ultimate good. And then, you know, there are things that we know. We plan according to biblical principles and biblical priorities. And there are places in the scripture where it tells us explicitly what God's will is for us. Number one, it's God's will that we repent and believe. It's God's will that we put our trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for our salvation. God is not willing that any to perish, but all come to everlasting life. And so we, we know it's God's will for us to uh, not trust in our own plan, our own efforts, our own activity, our own uh, uh, religion, our own goodness. But God calls us to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. The ultimate biblical priority, the ultimate biblical principle is salvation. Trusting in Christ, believing that he died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. And he calls us to turn from our sin and believe. And when we do, we're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's will that we be saved, that we live lives of repentance and faith. Trusting in Jesus Christ and in him alone. We also know that it's God's will for our sanctification, that we grow in our faith, that we be sanctified, that we grow in holiness, we grow in power and victory over sin as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts and converts and conforms us to the image of Christ Jesus. It's God's will that we be sanctified, that we be made holy, that we have power over sin and temptation in our life, that we grow in spiritual maturity. We grow and our love for God, our understanding of His truth, and our walking in His truth and the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in our life. And so all of our plans should include our sanctification, our spiritual growth. And we also know that it's God's will that we be His witnesses. That we be his way. And that's what's motivating Paul. I've got to go where the name of Christ is not known. It's his will that we be his witnesses. And so we grow in sanctification and we look for opportunities. We make plans to talk to people about Jesus. To share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with those that we know. People that we come into contact with that um, some never heard the name of Jesus or don't believe that Jesus is God or believe that he died for their sins. We come into contact with people who have their trust in their religion or a decision that they made years ago or trust in some ritual or ceremony that they participated in. Uh, God wants us to be his witnesses and proclaim the good news of Jesus, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. It is his will that we be his witnesses and that needs to be a part of our plan. 
live by repentance and faith, grow in, in maturity and grow in holiness and grow in an effective testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are biblical principles and priorities that we lay out in our plan and then recognize it might not work out exactly the way that we laid it out. It might not work out the way that we planned. But God is working. And God will work all things for his glory and for our good. We plan, but we recognize the plan might not work out the way that we expected. But it will work out in accordance with God's sovereignty for his glory and our good. Yeah, the best, best laid plans don't always work out the way we expected, but they always work out for God's glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you that you have given us principles and priorities through which we can lay out plans. And Lord, to, uh, to, to work through those priorities those principles and make wise decisions and good plans. But Lord, help us as we walk through those plans to adapt, to be flexible, to know it's not always going to work out the way we expected. It. It's not always going to work out the way that we planned. But help us to trust in your sovereignty, to trust in your providence, and to believe and to know you're working for your glory and for our good. And so Lord, we pray that you help us live lives of repentance and faith, that you help us in our sanctification to be growing in maturity. And we pray that you help us to grow in an effective testimony for Jesus Christ and help us as we seek to speak to people, to be your witnesses, to make disciples. We pray that you would find us faithful and that in your way, you would be pleased to make it fruitful and that you would add to our number every day those that are being saved. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing a final hymn with me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. <laughs>